This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Te- This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas. They're here to help. He has time. Launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams. Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, oh, he's the Hello and welcome to the only podcast for every non-FBS team in Texas. This week, we will preview Trinity at St. John's. Prairie View A&M is at Texas Southern in the Labor Day Classic. And Mary Harden Baylor is at Wisconsin River Falls. We're going to wrap up the episode by giving our picks to, I believe it's nine, maybe ten games this week. Who knows? I am Corey Hope, the non-FBS insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find me on X, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, threads, at Corey Hogue Sports. Find my work at texasfootball.com. I'm joined by Riley Zayas, who is quickly becoming one of the foremost experts in Division Three athletics of all sports. Find Riley on X or Twitter at Zayas Riley, Z-A-Y-A-S-R-I-L-E-Y. In addition, Riley operates TrueToTheCrew.com, which is the source for everything Mary Harden Baylor. Follow his work also on X Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, t- anywhere you could find social media. You're going to find True to the Crew, and that's T R U E T O, the Crew C R U. If you're a fan, you already know. Check out his website right there, Riley. We got through the the mega preview episode. I don't know how many listeners made it through all of it. Uh, and if you did, you deserve you, you deserve some sort of like a certificate because that was a while, man. That was a lot to go through and preview. And when we finished that, I was like, man, like that we went through a lot of teams, a lot of divisions. It's really, really fun now to start to see these matchups coming up here at the end of this week. And Everything's starting to come together for week one. I mean, it's an exciting time of the year, and we're moving from that stage where we're doing all kinds of projections and predictions, and now we're heading into where we can actually start to evaluate how these teams are playing against other opponents. We're in the you know start of the season. It's a good time of the year. And I, I want to say we're seeing something that this started a couple years ago, kind of with, uh, honestly, this might have been something the pandemic kind of helped bring along a little bit. We're seeing the top teams in the country at these at these different levels choosing to play each other because they're starting to realize it's only a benefit. It's not a win helps you in the playoffs. A loss isn't going to hurt you when it comes to playoff decision because these are top 10, top 20 schools. I, I think seeing that, man, it has brought another level to my excitement this year, too. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and we've seen that across a lot of levels. Um, you know, one thing at the Division three level, you know, we've gone down to just four at-large bids. And so a lot of teams are looking at that and saying, you know what, we got to do something to separate us because out of all the teams that are playing, you know, football this year, there's only going to be four that get those at-large bids. And and, and that's in Division three, as I mentioned. But, you know, I think we're, we're seeing this across all divisions in terms of teams just wanting to go out and schedule tough competition. And honestly, it, it couldn't, you know, it's it's bringing more fans to the sport. It's bringing 
you know, teams that have traditionally really strong seasons together to play at the beginning of the year. It's good for the fan bases. Um, you know, I don't think there's there's really any drawbacks to it. Uh, you know, really only positives from the way I look at it. And that's the way I see it too, man. But I also know, and I just had this thought, man, November is going to be upon us at the blink of an eye. We're going to look up and it's yeah. November. So I'm going to need to start explaining to you how the different levels do their playoffs because right. they're not the same. FCS nope. is different from D2, from D3, NAIA, JUCO, every bit of it's different, man. So I need to start kind of breaking some of that down for you because it took me a little while to catch up on some of those playoff formats and stuff. Yeah, no, it's interesting too. You talk to the coaches who go between these levels and and for them even, sometimes it's a little bit of an adjustment uh, because, yeah, I mean, they're, they're drastically different in a lot of respects in terms of the way that things are seated and and set up and so yeah it definitely makes for for an interesting thing um looking forward to getting all that in november though oh yeah well and we'll give you a quick a brief example there's only four at-large bids in division three there are no automatic bids in division two exactly yeah so so there we go and there's only there are automatic bids in fcs but there's only eight seeds and you know it all it, it's and i i actually enjoy it because uh, once I get caught up on it, I like how each one of them are a little bit different. And I believe the FBS is going to be a little different too. So it, it takes yep. a minute, but once you get it, I think, man, I love the playoff time anyway. So anything we can do for playoffs, that's what we want. We are a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like and sh- like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, or on the platform of your choice. Also, please like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere everywhere you are on social media, we're there too. You can search Dave Campbell's. You will find us on Twitter, DCTFCFB. You'll find us there too, the Republic of Football Network. You want to help us grow, and you want to do your part to help the show, this is what you do. You like, share, you follow us. That's how you help us grow. So if you can do those things, we are very appreciative of that. Riley, it is week one of the college football season, and we are starting with a game that I don't know because I don't have time to look at national things a lot. But I imagine this game's getting a lot of national attention. The game of the week for Dave Campbell's, the Trinity Tigers are traveling to Collegeville, Minnesota to face St. John's. They're playing St. John's, Minnesota. They start, I believe, at noon on Saturday. Uh, That is going to be, yes, they start at noon Saturday. Riley, you talk about starting week one off with a bang. It doesn't get any better than this game right here. It really doesn't. This is a huge matchup. I think from the time that everyone found out that Trinity was playing St. John's, Pretty much everyone in the Division Three football world circled that game on their calendars, in, in, in large part because you know for the, for those who you know don't don't quite know, I mean St. John's is is long time powerhouse program. They've been been a program that has constantly been in contention for the national title every year, and their atmosphere there in Collegeville is is just outstanding. I mean it's it's got to be one of the top three. Uh, atmospheres in, in Division Three football. They bring out a lot of fans. This is a game that was played, a matchup between these two teams. They've only played once before, 
Uh, and that was in 2002 when uh, Jeremy Urban, who is the head coach of Trinity, was actually there playing for the Tigers. And they took down uh, St. John's in a really tight game, 41-34 victory in San Antonio, which sent Trinity to the Stag Bowl. Uh, so this is, you know, these two teams don't have much history between them. But that one game was certainly a, a thriller. And, you know, again, these two teams enter the season with national title aspirations. Uh, so a lot will be on the line. This is always going to be a result that the winner can point to and say, look, we, we took down one of the top teams in the country. I think that's what makes it such a big game this week. I, man, I think so, too. And not only that, both of these teams are looking. You mentioned that leg up when it comes to the four at-large bids. That is on the line in week one of the college right. football season because the winner of this game has a leg up because next week it's not easier. Trinity goes home. They're hosting Mary Harden Baylor. St. John's travels to Wisconsin Whitewater. These are four of the top five, six teams right now in the country. And we will know about all four of them within the first two weeks of the season. This is insane, man. This is so great. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. And you look, UMHB, as we're going to talk about later in this, is playing another top 25 opponent in UW River Falls. Whitewater is playing uh, 19th ranked John Carroll. A lot of these teams are playing against each other. And part of that does stem from the fact that in, in a lot of levels, this isn't just Division Three, but coaches are having a hard time at these top schools finding opponents to play them. And they'll really the only other teams that will play them are also teams of the top, teams that are nationally ranked. Uh, so for us as fans, it's a good thing because it gives us some really, really good matchups. And um, I mean, both, both Trinity and St. John's enter the game with really strong offenses, experienced veteran quarterbacks. There's going to be a lot to watch in this one. Yes, there will be. And yesterday I talked with Jeremy Urban and I found this interesting. He talked about how the, the players, he noticed a different appreciation uh, for of them because this is the last year. You know, it's not that they were overlooking last year by 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 any way, right? Like, but it there's a finality to it that I think is what he's speaking to that they understand, and uh, that makes them really dangerous this year, in my opinion. I think so, and I think there's this understanding that for a guy like Tucker Horn, uh, you know, there's there's this idea that it's the end of their college careers and they want to go out and they've been building, right? You see teams all the time that, you know, they'll put together a good group, a good veteran group, but Trinity's been building since 2021, you know, and, and even before that. But 2021 really felt like they played UMHB really close in Belton uh, in that first round of the NCAA, you know, NCAA playoffs. We were kind of like, okay, Trinity might be getting to that level uh, back where they're a national contender. And then now they enter the year, you know, fourth in the country. I think that says a lot about what he's done and Coach Urban's, you know, what he's done for that program. And also about the veteran leadership from a guy like Tucker Horn, guy like Caleb, Caleb Harmel um, on the defensive end, guys who have been around this program, know what it takes to win at Trinity. Uh, and they're finally ready to put it all together with a really solid schedule that would give them a good opportunity heading to the playoffs if they can pull out even just one win against uh, St. John's or UMHB. Oh, yeah, because uh, I don't know. Uh, there could be challenges. There there could be Barry, Center. Some of these guys can be challenges over in the SAA, but they, they shouldn't be this year. Right. It would take a bad game from Trinity because he talked about wanting to have fun. 
to make it fun that he, he even said it's such a finite time. This is all they have. And he doesn't want them going out remembering the bad things. He wants to remember that, Hey, we competed, but we also, he wants them to remember the fun. And there's something about that. When you have that in your head coach that permeates through the program and that leads to a team that is focused, prepared, and relaxed on a lot of Saturdays. I, I really like where the where the Tigers are heading into the season. I do too. And and I think you, you bring up a good point there. I, I think that sometimes when you have alums who are coaching their programs, it, it creates a different kind of feel because they, they know it's like to have not only been you know, in the player's shoes as a, as a you know collegiate student athlete, but they know what it's like to be a student athlete there. And they also have pride in the school uh, because they went there, you know, maybe a little bit more than, than anyone else. And so I think, you know, they want just as much to win as anyone else. I, I think sometimes it can be misconstrued when coaches say they want their players to have fun. You know, it means they're not as intense. Right. And, and the opposite, I think is the case. Trinity wants to win. Um, and coach urban has done what it's take, you know, what's taken uh, to be, you know, a competitive team nationally the last couple of years. But he also realizes that this is the last opportunity a lot of these guys are going to have to step off football field. And that, you know, you talked about in your your letter um, about non-FBS today. This is what makes this level of football so great, right? These guys, this is going to be their last hurrah. And they want to go out on top and they want to go out, you know, remembering. You talk to, to former student athletes all the time and they say, it may not be the games or the wins that they remember, but it's those times with their teammates. And I think he gets it. You know, as you said, he understands that and he values that a lot. I think that's really been a big part of their success the last couple of years. Yes, it has. And it is it, it is special when you're an alum, you have an understanding. Both these coaches, by the way, are alums of their right. the programs they lead. Really interesting coaching matchup. I we could keep going on about it, but I did tell Coach Urban that I he's going to hear from me again next week. Uh, if anyone has any question what the game of the week is next week, I, you really should. Just go look at the schedule, and you will find out. We've already talked about it briefly. All right, we're going to move on. Preview A&M at Texas Southern, the Labor Day Classic. Uh, Riley, I think really there's only one question for this game. Th- these two teams, a lot of players back on both sides. Prairie View had to redo their secondary over the summer. Texas Southern has got Andrew Body. They've got an offensive line that all five of them returned. They've got a defense. They've got Michael Aikens. They've got stars all over the place. But is this the year? Is this the year that Texas Southern breaks that losing streak against Prairie View? And, and is this the time they get take that step that could propel them to a SWAC? West division title. Yeah. And I think that's the million dollar question, right. For, for both these teams too, entering the, entering this season, you know, cause they both have such high expectations. They have a lot of returners back. And I think when you see these teams that, you know, Texas Southern has been, been building towards this, you know, the last couple of years, I think we talked about on that preview uh, episode last week, that this might be the year that Texas Southern can finally kind of break through uh, at the same time, we got to give some credit to, to Prairie View A&M and the fact that, you know, they really controlled last year's matchup. You know, they won 40 to 23 and, and they return a good group of, of standout guys. I, I really like the roster that Prairie View has. You know, it's going to be interesting to see that matchup. You mentioned the secondary uh, Texas Southern's offense certainly looks like they're, you know, forming a, a really 
uh, you know, tough group uh, that's going to make it tough on, on opposing defenses. So that's going to be a matchup to keep an eye on, I think, and see how that kind of newly revamped uh, Prairie View A&M secondary does against, you know, Andrew Body in that passing attack. Can't wait to see it. And I will. I will have a great seat in the press box for Prairie View A&M at Texas Southern. So if you're curious how the Labor Day Classic is going, find me on those social media channels, Corey Hogue Sports, all one word, C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E Sports. I just did a great little self-promotion right there. I will be at Prairie View A&M Texas Southern. Uh, speaking of self-promotion, here's a chance for my co-host over here to kind of get some self-promotion. Mary Harden Baylor, Wisconsin River Falls. You mentioned it earlier, and uh, you're going to be there as well. That is a heck of a thing that I am really happy that you're able to go. Uh, so, again, tell them how to follow you, man. Let's get some self-promotion going. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, we'll be up there in River Falls, true the crew on the ground. Uh, we'll have field-level photos. We'll have, you know, coverage there, um, interviews, and and obviously all the – all the great write-ups uh, following the game. It's going to be a classic up in River Falls. They're supposed to have a, a huge crowd on hand. They're doing a wideout up there. It's a top 25 matchup. Both these teams uh, feel like they have a good shot at winning this one. So, yeah, I can't wait for it. It'll be my second time covering a game in Wisconsin, and they always put on a good show up there. They do. It's different up there for D3 football than it is uh, down here. And so I, I've never been up there, but I've heard the environment's great. So I, I'm just excited for you. And I'm also excited for this game, but we got some questions to answer, man. Riley, we have a fan base at Mary Harden Baylor. It's a bit nervous. Okay. It's understandable. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what you have with the offense. Kyle King is gone. Brandon Jordan's gone. You've got some offensive linemen. You know, you're not sure what you've got at quarterback right now. But uh, Larry Harmon, in his press conference, had some things he said the other day, and we're going to take a, a listen to that right quick. And when we come back, we're going to discuss what he said, and we're going to give we're going to give you a reason to breathe a little bit, crew fans. Okay, breathe a little bit. Well, let's listen to what Coach Harmon said. Uh, we got to get a lot more consistent on offense. I thought, uh, you know, we we would break down either in pass protection, run blocking, back would make a mistake or receiver would run the wrong route. And that was kind of our our struggle Saturday on offense. Um, special teams, we were pretty good, but we had a we, we did have a bad snap that cost us a field goal. We had two touchdowns taken away due to holding and just being tired and not running our feet. So um, going into this week, conditioning and just cleaning up our technique is the two things that we're really focusing on to say that I just definitely have a number one quarterback at this moment. I don't feel like I have a clear cut guy. Um, so there might be some quarterbacking by committee for a while until somebody in that room decides just to take it over. But uh, Jackson Tingler will be the guy that gets to start week one. Okay, Riley, man, it's, uh, it's Jackson Tingler. He's the starter. And, uh, it doesn't sound like that that he may be the starter going forward, but he's going to have the first opportunity to take that job and not give it back. He will. And, and I think, you know, played very limited snaps last year as, as the backup quarterback behind Kyle King. You know, he's a senior. He's been around this program. And I think if, if there's anything that really sticks out in terms of a a positive, in terms of the, the quarterback situation, it's the fact that, 
you know, he's been around this program. And, and we saw in 2021 when Kyle King went out on two separate occasions, Ryan Redding was right there to step in. Uh, you know, this program does a good job of, of building up those guys and allowing them the chance to, you know, even if they're not getting those reps in the field on game day, they're getting those reps in practice. And I think, you know, Tingler certainly has some room uh, to improve uh, based on on what I've seen. But at the same time, he has a great arm. He's smart. Uh, he knows he knows how to make those plays. He knows how to run this offense. He's been around it uh, for, for several years now. And so I think if if there's any reason for UMHB to, you know, be optimistic about this quarterback situation is the fact that, you know, Jackson Tingler, the guy who's going to be quarterback one on Saturday, has been around this program. And, you know, I think we just need to see how it all looks to put the offense together because we haven't seen that yet. And I think once everything's put together, the offensive line comes together, the receivers are all out there. I think it's going to be a, a very solid performance and probably put a lot of people's minds at ease in terms of the UMHB offense. And like, like Coach Harmon said, it's not just been one issue. He understands that there's a little, a little hesitancy about the offense right now. I think he's heard it a little bit. I think he's aware this talk is happening. And uh, he addressed it very well. For, it's not just the quarterbacks, uh, but he also, here we have a clip we're going to play that's a, a little, about a minute long, a little bit over a minute long, and, and where Coach Harmon gives us why we should go ahead and start taking a deep breath. And then Riley and I will dig into that here in just a second. It's been um, just the total deal. I mean, you've got 11 guys out there and, and one guy doesn't, doesn't do his job and it happens to be the most critical point of the play and uh, causes us to be unsuccessful. So our offense has done some good things. It's just uh, the standard that we have and what we expect. Uh, we're not quite there yet. And uh, those guys on the offensive side of the ball have a lot of pride. And to be fair, uh, I, I'm talking, you know, I'm kind of just kind of calling out the offense a little bit, but it's not like we're game planning our scrimmages. We're in camp mode. We're still trying to find out who our guys are. It's not like we practiced three days solid trying to prepare for either one of our two scrimmages. So the preparation and, and the kids – identifying pre-snap things that help us maybe be successful, uh, we're going to be a lot better. There's going to be a, a big-time improvement this week than last week just because of we are going to, you know, put our attention just solely to uh, River Falls for the next three days and, and, and put together a great game plan and, and go out and execute. Okay, Riley. I, I think Coach Harmon put his finger on it. I think that um... – when you go into a scrimmage, not one time are you script, you know, you're scripting it or you've got things you want to look at too, right? Like these coaches aren't going in there to win a scrimmage. If you're a smart coach, you go into a scrimmage, you go into a preseason game, whatever you want to call it, and you go in with who you want to see, what you want to see, who are you trying to decide at positions, then you're also trying to see not even schematically, but just basics, what what can we do here and there? And also not show anything right yeah. because it, it's going to be very 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 basic because you don't want that video getting out to whoever now we get game planning now we get a week of preparation coach Harmon said he thinks it's going to be better I, I know what i think riley and i think you and i are on the same page i believe we agree with coach Harmon. 
I would, I would think so. Yeah, I, I totally agree with him. And that's something that I kind of always wanted to note. And I haven't really said this publicly, but, but you know, there's been a lot of conversations amongst UMHB fans, whether it be on Twitter or on the message boards or just amongst themselves of the, you know, the fact that UMHB's offense didn't look very good in the scrimmages. And, and that's, that's fine. I think Harmon noted that, but at the same time, you, you always got to look at it within context. And, and as he said there, like, they're not game planning for these opponents. These opponents are good. They're very good teams down in, in, in Mexico. Uh, you know, they they are large universities. So so you're looking and they're playing as guys who are older, you know, in a lot of situations. So th- these aren't easy opponents by any means. And on top of that, though, you know, you look and you say, OK, well, they haven't put the entire offense together. They're trying to see how everyone fits in and they want to see how some of these guys third, fourth in the depth chart look. Right. And that's what the purpose of a scrimmage is. Howard Payne uh, has scrimmage at Cisco um, not too long ago. And they, you know, the way that it was broken down, I believe they did some different things. They did some seven on seven. Uh, and then they did some 11 on 11. Uh, UMHB chose to do, you know, 11 on 11 kind of full game the entire way through. Uh, but I don't think we need to overreact and say that based on their performance in a scrimmage, that's going to be the way they come out against River Falls. Because I, as, as Coach Harmon said, the improvement's going to be there when they finally sit down, they're game planning for their opponent. They're saying, okay, this is what the opposing defense does. This is how we're going to beat it. You, you know how you can tell when fans have truly missed football? It's it's when they're worried about, about keeping score at a scrimmage. That's the most useless thing. It really is. Like they're so it is so basic in a scrimmage. I it, there you learn. Let me just uh, let me give you what I do. Okay, I go to, I live in Wichita Falls. I go to MSU scrimmages, uh, all three of them that they'll have during a fall camp. And people ask me, what do you learn about them? I don't learn much of anything about the team. I learn nothing about the team. Here's what I do learn. I learn how, is the offensive line, defensive line, do they have size or do they not? Uh, And I learn, is the quarterback decisive? Is he making reads, throws, things of that nature? You can see some of that. I could see, oh, this guy's got a lot of speed. That's it. That's yeah. it. They're just not it, – it's not for that. Um, and now we're going to see that. But it's time to put it – put our money on the line here, Riley. We're not actually putting money down because we don't believe in betting on uh, on non-FBS games. We're Okay? But we're going to make some picks, and we're going to start this week Trinity at St. John's. Uh, Riley, who you got? I'm going to take Trinity. I think they get it done late in Collegeville. I think the key for Trinity is their experience. Right. Uh, They have more experience back than St. John's. I think that uh, this team, that focus that Coach Urban talked about, I think that's the key. I give Trinity the edge. That's going to be fun. Prairie View at Texas Southern. Riley? Time to put it down. What do you think? This is going to be a tough one because I do like Texas Southern's chances, but I think I'm going to go with Prairie View A&M. I, I think they're going to be able to get it done against the Texas Southern uh, defense, and, and I think they're going to get to a, a significant lead by the end of the third quarter that it just they're, they're able to pull it out uh, in that final quarter. But Texas Southern, I think they're going to have a much better performance than they did last year. That's funny you say pull it out because last year in the fourth quarter they struggled in a lot they of games. Did. They had tr- they had problems closing out games. That's why they didn't represent the West last year. It's also Riley, Coach Coach Bubba McDowell. I'm sorry, 
But this is the this is the time. It just feels like I I honestly don't talent wise. I believe it's so close, right? But my gut tells me that this year, this time right now, is Andrew Body's time, and it's his junior year, and we're about to see this team has been building since Clarence McKinney took over for this year. It just feels like it. It feels like it's time to seize on it. We're going to find out. They're at home, downtown Houston. Corey Hogue's going to be there, which means absolutely nothing, but I think the Tigers take it. <laughs> that's what i think man. let's see let's see yeah yeah this will be a fun one to follow no doubt oh yeah definitely will be all right mary harden baylor uw river falls we're taking a breather on the offense we want to see what it looks like what are your thoughts on this one Riley? yeah i think you know caleb laha is is a fantastic quarterback uh for uw river falls he's tough he's drawing comparisons to tim tebow he can run it he can throw it but if the UMHB defensive front can contain him, and they have a good defensive front, some good returners, Duran Hill, uh, ASD preseason defensive player of the year there, uh, linebacker, I, if they can contain him and keep him within the pocket, I think UMHB is going to have a good chance to pull out this one. Uh, it'll be interesting. I know I keep saying pull out. I think this is going to be a very tight game, though. I think we're, we're, we're looking at a lot of very close games here in week one. I think so, too. And I'm going to say something else to, to UMHB fans here. This is not your 2021 national champion crew. You're not going to just go out score people. That's not this offense. This is your 2018 type of team that you had at Mary Harden Baylor, who had also some question marks at times at quarterback that year. Um, and, you know, the offense didn't always produce as many points, but they did when they needed to. And what the, how they won was with an elite defense. And an elite defense is what Mary Harden ha Baylor has again this year. I think the crew go in and win. I don't think it's going to be comfortable. But I also don't think it's going to be less than a touchdown. I would, I would come to the same, sim very similar conclusion there. All right, we're bringing a few games we haven't talked about yet. This will be brief. Tarleton at McNeese. Man, what an intriguing game here. The Texans, Coach Todd Whitten, last year there, finally, thank God, it's the last year for Tarleton to transition into Division I. Uh, Coach Whitten thinks this is the best team, most talent he's had since they've transitioned. They're going to play a McNeese team that's, man, that's a tough place to play. Lake Charles is a tough place. It's a tough team at times. Can Tarleton walk in there and beat the Cowboys? You know, this is a matchup I, I did, you know, kind of uh, in the preseason I looked into because it's, it's an intriguing matchup for a number of reasons. I think Tarleton has the talent to, to beat McNeese. I, I do. And, it, and it's interesting because McNeese is at home, and that's going to give them, I think, a, 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 a sizable advantage, you know, in their favor. Um, you know, you, you start to kind of look at different things. It's really a toss-up. I don't think there's a clear favorite in this one. But I'm going to take Tarleton. I think they're going to find a way to pull it out. I trust uh, Coach Wynn and, and what he's talked about, about the talent. And I, I do think they, they got enough talent there to really, really have a significant uh, season this year and, and, and surprise some people maybe. I think so too. And I can tell you, I think, I think he's galvanized that locker room. And uh, I think they go into McNeese and I think they pull it out. And it, it might not even be as close as some people think. Right. We go to the next one. <clears throat> and Riley, last week, I would never have included this game on this. But then I watched UTEP play 
Jacksonville State, and oh my goodness, that was ugly. Now they go home, they get UIW. Can the Cardinals take down two FBS opponents in two straight years? It, I really do like Ingrid Ward's chances in this one. I, I'm gonna take take the you know, I'm gonna take them in this one because I think you start to look at, at who they have, they're not your typical FCS team in terms of, of some of the talent on the roster. Um, Zach Calzada, quarterback, is going to be interesting against that UTEP defense. I mean, I, I hate to to go based on a week zero matchup for, for UTEP, but I'm going to give the edge to, to Incarnate Ward here in this one. Okay. I have some things that I stick by um, every year. And uh, th- these are some sort of like life altruisms that I, I like to give. And it's teams improve the most between week one and week two. And when you're zero week, zero week to one week, UTEP had a game. They have played somebody else. They've had a week to work on some of those things they saw there. They're angry. They're playing a UIW team that is in their first game. There will right, be right. some first game problems with the Cardinals. Now, you see where I'm going. I like the Cardinals. I think UIW is going to have a very good season. I do not think they win this week. It is not a disappointment if they lose this game. It's going to say more, hopefully, hopefully, for Mike Craven's sake over there. Uh, hopefully, for the big, the big Brother Network. Hopefully, it says more about UTEP's improvement. Um, but I just think that that week one game, if they were playing straight up, I'd give UIW a chance, but UTEP having that extra game, Riley, I I give them the advantage. Miners win it. I think UIW stays close. I'm going to say for probably a half, Uh, but they're also going to need to take care of the ball because turnovers could make that get ugly quick. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. We have some some different picks there, so we'll uh, we'll see how that one plays out. I I do think uh, you bring up a good point there about the improvement from week zero to week one, and Certainly hope for UTEP's sake they're able to, to make some improvements on last week. I think everybody could tell we did not discuss these pre-show at all. <laughs> That's what's great. All right, man, we move to the next one. Midwestern State, Colorado State, Pueblo. The Mustangs traveling up. We have a new head coach at Colorado State, Pueblo. Philip V. Hill, who was the coach at Western New Mexico, went up and took over the Thunderwolves. I, I was at MSU's practice yesterday, and there was one thing I heard from everybody. Cannot wait to land in Pueblo. I'm telling you, man, that weather is nice up there. It's going to be nice for the Mustangs. They're looking forward to that. But can they go up there and beat Pueblo? That's the question. Yeah, I, I, that'll be interesting. You know, the, the weather will be uh, yeah, a welcome change from the triple digits that we've had uh, here. And certainly, you know, what MSU has been practicing in for the last few weeks. But uh, you know, when you look at this matchup, I mean, again, this is another one that I think is is very much a toss up in terms of, you know, MSU, if they put things together the right way, if they can start to gain some momentum, I think they're going to need to tap into that rushing attack, really, really utilize their running backs unit. Uh, if they can do that well, I think they'll stay in the game. But I think CSU Pueblo uh, returns enough talent. I think they're going to have the, the edge a little bit playing on their home turf. Um, and they give the edge to CSU Pueblo, and, and we'll see how it plays out there. But I think this is a game that's decided through a full four quarters. I don't think we, I don't think we see one team 
you know, jump out to too big of a lead at any point in this game. Okay. Midwestern State, Bill Maskell, Coach Maskell would not commit to a quarterback, a starting quarterback yesterday. But I believe this is just me spitballing here. James Cooper Jr. will be the starting quarterback. He has not played a snap, not one snap since high school. That was three years ago. He's had a redshirt season at, a, at uh, I believe it was a junior college. Then he had another season last year. He did not play at Eastern Illinois. He's got talent. This, this is going to be a little much. Going into play Pueblo, I think V Hill and his staff, you've got Cade Fasky, a defensive coordinator, who's a Colby Carthold disciple, spent years with him, Texas A&M Commerce from the national championship team. You have something there. I, I think MSU plays better than they did at home last year. God, I hope so. But I think Pueblo wins, man. I really do. Southwestern. Travels to Cal Lutheran again. A couple years ago, I believe they took an L out there. What happens this time, Riley? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Southwestern showed what they could do against this team. You know, last year in Georgetown, they won 32-31. Uh, but again, uh, you know, it was a tight game last year. And, and I think we saw both teams show some some inefficiencies uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, this year will be interesting with, with Southwestern making the trip out there, the West Coast. Um, honestly, I like the Pirates. I like Southwestern's chances in this one. I think they bring back some, some upperclassmen who really are eager to uh, to put together a strong season. Uh, their first year in the SAA, as we talked about last week in the, the preview episode. I'm going to give the edge to Southwestern in this one. I don't think it'll be close. I think we're going to see it decide by three or four points. But I think Southwestern ultimately uh, will represent Texas well out on the West Coast. I'm going to agree, and I'm going to differ slightly. I do think the move to the SAA has really helped Southwestern. I think it helps the Pirates. Yeah. I think that positivity leads them to a touchdown victory over Cal Lutheran. The only thing we're debating there are points. That's it. We both we both got Southwestern. Okay, Howard Payne at George Fox. That's a tough one, Riley. It is. I think this might be one of the best matchups in Division Three football in terms of your non-top 25 games uh, this week. And both teams have some real real talent. I think it's going to come down to a matchup of George Fox's defense, which was really good last year in the Northwest Conference, which includes Linfield, um, pretty notable D3 powerhouse, against Howard Payne's offense. And Howard Payne's offense, you know, they lose some talent. Uh, they lose some guys there. But Landon McKinney is back. And tell you what, it – he is a one of the best quarterbacks I've seen when it comes to throwing the football. He just has a, a tremendous amount of accuracy. He has a great arm. Uh, if he can get some passes downfield and, and complete, you know, complete some big passes, kind of get Howard Payne's offense going early, I think the HPU defense will be ready to, to step up against that George Fox offense and, and pull out a win there in, in, in Oregon. It'll be a long road trip for them too, which is always a factor in these types of games. But I think Howard Payne has what it takes to – to earn that week one win. I think the road trip factor is less in week one because you're so excited. Probably. can make an argument for that. I also think Kevin Bachtel gets his first win in his first game as head coach and Howard Payne rolls. I want to say 10 to 14 points is where I'm going to put it over George Fox. All right, Riley, one last one. And oh my goodness, man, this the winner of this game is going to win the Sooner Athletic Conference. We are deciding the winner of the Sooner Athletic Conference in week one this year. 
Ottawa, Arizona coach Mike Nesbitt, West Texas A&M head coach, brings his spirit to Texas Wesleyan and, and coach Joe Prudhomme. They feel like they were left out of the playoffs. They got they got shafted last year a little bit. I agree with them. I think they're better this year. Ottawa, Ottawa showed last week against Arizona Christian that they're good. They're really good. Oh, uh, Riley, who you got, man? What what you got on this? I think this will be an interesting matchup for both teams uh, because there is a lot of talent both sides of the ball. Ottawa looked good, as you mentioned, against Arizona Christian. The one thing that interests me is to see if Texas Wesleyan playing their first game of the season, they come in with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of confidence. Does that play a factor at all versus Ottawa, who's already had one game? It might help Ottawa, but also Texas Wesleyan may come in with a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. And we know that this is a big game for them. It's one they've had circle on the calendar for a while. I like that Texas Wesleyan rushing attack. I think they're going to find a way to win this one and and pick up a a, a much-needed uh, confidence booster, I think, for this program, too. Okay, you remember what I said with UIW and UTEP. It matters. You've played a week one game or you haven't. It doesn't matter here, and I'll tell you why. Right. Texas Wesleyan held a scrimmage last week, so they, they have played. They have gone against someone, so that part is a little more even, and I, I'm going to tell you, I think the edge, because Ottawa Kent could not take Arizona Christian lightly. They had to be ready. They had to game plan for that game. That gave the Rams coaching staff some actual film. Nobody has as much actual film on the Rams. I think that gives the Rams the edge. I think playing inside Crowley ISD just invigorates that. I think the fans are going to be there. I'm going Rams. I think this is... The Rams year, Riley. I would agree with you. I think this is this is going to be a statement win for them to open the season. And um looking forward to this matchup. It's going to be an exciting one, certainly. Man, that was great. We that was fun because we did not, we're going to do this again. I think uh, I I if you're listening, please let us know if you enjoy the pick segment because this was completely I wrote down some games. We never talked about them until this this show started and we go picking them. It, it came out it, it came out well, I think. Like we were different different a little more than I thought we might be. Yeah, I, it'll make it fun. We'll, we'll see how it how it plays out, and uh, yeah, we'll see how our how our picks go. I'm not a uh, traditionally. I haven't done very well in these types of uh, pick 'em type things, so we will see how how my picks fare against I you, yours. I tell you what, we'll keep a record, a running record for the season of it. We can do that. It's week one. Riley, thank you, sir. We will be back again next week. We will see you then. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, Riley. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Corey, and uh, looking forward to this week one of the of the season. A lot to look forward to. Yes, and safe travels, my friend. We will you return. Too, you too. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will return next week with another episode coming out on Thursday where we're going to preview week two games. For Riley Zayas, I'm Corey Hogue. Thank you so much for joining us. Until we meet again, stay safe.